Discussing the news that matters. Light Breakfast Front Page. And with me on Front Page this morning, I have veteran journalist Dr. Wong Saiwan, the editor-in-chief of the Malay Mail, and Ann Edwards of Ann Edwards TV. Good morning, folks. Good Hi, morning, Chas. Well, I have to thank you for coming in on such a rainy Friday morning. <laughs> now, the BN Charama has drawn thousands in Puntian as Pakatan struggles. In fact, the unprecedented show of support for Barisan was a stark contrast to the Pakatan Harapan Kopitiam Forum uh, that only managed to pull a crowd of about 70 odd people. I mean, I hear the BN trauma had about 3,000 over, yeah? Yep. Uh, is this a harbinger of doom for uh, Pakatan's chances in Tanjung PI? I think the by-election has come at a very inopportune time for Pakatan Rapan. Uh, I think the frustration and the unfulfilled promises mm. and uh, the quarreling within Pakatan Rapan, it will surface now. Uh, say what you like, Barisan seem fairly united. Although there are rumours that they had difficulty getting the, the candidates. But the most interesting thing is that veteran politician statesman stalwart Lim Kit Siang, who headed the Pakatan Harapan Cerama, only managed to draw a crowd of 70. Mm. That is unheard of. Contrasted with Barisa National, they had Hadi Awang speaking yeah. in a Chinese kopitiam or Chinese area and they had 3,000. Mm-hmm. Oh, this, that was unheard of. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, Anne? It's like, it's like how MCA was before and, you know, it's like they've switched places. Uh, obviously, there's a wind of change right here, uh, especially among the Chinese. Um, we're looking at uh, also the fact that Bian's um, candidate is popular. He had a track record. He was an MP for two terms. And I think the main issue is because the economy is not good, you know, cost of living, a lack of job opportunities. And of course, uh, the Chinese are very much expecting issues, education issues, like the United Examination Cert, which is still awaiting recognition. There's also the Jawi calligraphy issue and the cutback on government funding for uh, Tunku Abdul Rahman University College. Oh, right. Okay, so all these are not addressed. Okay. Having said that, there may be a swing in votes if Pakatan can garner the support of fence sitters, which is now mounting about some 17%. Okay. But see, the thing is this. Everyone, both sides, are concentrating on the non-Malay areas because they believe that the Malay voters will be split right down the centre mm-hmm. between... Mm-hmm. Pakatan uh, Harapan and uh, BN. So, at the end of the day, they know that the swing voters will be the Chinese. I'm not so sure. It all depends on how the Malay votes. Actually, mm. I think I think the trick would be coming next week is how they treat the Malay voters. Mm. Uh, the big guns have already been pulled. Yeah. They've already started offering uh, handouts and uh, <laughs> upgrading of jetties. What I heard, <laughs> at least the minister promised it's cash up front tomorrow. Oh, are we still MOA? doing that? Are we still Is giving out agriculture cash? Minister? Oh, yes. Yeah, the agriculture yeah, minister agriculture promised. Minister. He said, I'm different. I openly declare. Oh, wow. This is my allocation. I'm not hiding it. At least a thousand ringgit for per fisherman. Per fisherman, you know. Mm, okay. uh, and yeah. of course, Tanjung Pi is a major fishing port for Johor. Mm, okay. mm. So, 
Will the thousand vote translate into votes? I'm not so sure. Okay, well, it's something we are definitely watching very, very closely. Coming up next, uh, plus reload booths uh, scrap this week, and everyone has something to say about that. We'll take a look at that headline after Bruno Mars grenade here on light. And with me this morning, veteran journalist uh, Dr. Wong Sai Wan and Anne Edwards and the hashtag Manso Touch and Go hashtag um, has joined Twitter's trending topics this week as Malaysians complain about limited top-up alternatives and the unreasonable surcharge. I mean, this system has been going on. Um, we've been using it for over 20 years. Is this a justified reason for Plus to shut down these reload booths that, you know, they're causing traffic jams when people forget or to upload their Touch and Go? There's already a complaints about how there is no cash, uh, you know, uh, booths for, uh, for for those who actually forget, you know, to top up or even bring their cards along. I mean, my dad is always guilty of, you know, I, oh my God, I don't have the card. And then he parks at the side and says, what I'm going to do, mm. you know. But we do understand that they want to reduce the number of traffic accidents, especially for heavy vehicles at the toll booths. And they want to address congestion you know, which right. is by 48%. But we're looking at how inconvenient it is. I mean, if we do have petrol stations, which has online topping up system all the time. Yeah, that are always online. They're always <laughs> online and not just get there and then it's offline. And if we do have uh, all the tolls accepting e-wallet, then we, we can look at this as something which is like, you know, okay, you can implement it and not one so can touch and go. But having said that, uh, I think it's a bit unfair to put that hashtag on touch and go because yeah. it is actually plus, plus that's implementing it and not touch and go. Yeah, so that's yeah. my take on it. Okay, because yeah. uh. I can see at least um, this happening at least once a month uh, for my family yeah. because, you know, mm. we go we travel up and down the highway all the time. Sometimes you don't realize your yeah. baki is kurang. Right. <laughs> so, so I like, sure I, I, I like to point out to everyone uh-huh. that your my card is a smart card, which you can always top it up with ten ringgit, okay. or twenty ringgit, or one thousand ringgit if you want, mm. and use your my card as as a spare cash. But that's not the problem. The problem is that Plus decided to have an experiment during the last festive season, whereby they shut down. The reload lane. That's right. Okay. And they said they came up with statistics that it reduced congestion, uh, congestion by 37% or something something to that effect. I think an experiment during the festive season where the traffic is a lot more concentrated, you, you know, that uh, I don't think that experiment was truthfully mm. reflective of the situation. You go to the Sungai Bursi toll, the biggest toll in Malaysia, mm. okay, uh, previously, the reload lane was always the longest. Right. Mm. Okay. Now that means that people have gotten used to reloading at the lane. At the lane. Mm. Plus, should have given time to the drivers to get used to the idea that they're not going to have uh, re- reload lanes. Give notice. It's, this is an addiction. You suddenly right. take, take it away. Time. Exactly. You just take mm. it away. You're going to have cold turkey reaction. Okay. Which is what and <laughs> poor touch and go. I, mean, I know well, they got it, right? Yeah. Uh, well, okay, here's yeah. the thing. I mean, how are they going to manage this problem when, you know, it's implemented and people are like, oh, goodness. Well, you know? uh, I think the position taken by Plus is uh, you get used to it. Lah. Well, there you have it. Now, coming up, uh, Tun Dr. Madhir Muhammad says, I don't want to make another mistake. We'll take a look at what that's all about after the traffic update and Def Leppard, two steps behind on light. 
on front page with me this morning, veteran journalist um, Anne Edwards and Dato Wong Saiwan, editor-in-chief of the Malay Mail. And uh, our Prime Minister says, I don't want to make another mistake. I've made mistakes in appointing my successors, so I don't want to make another mistake this time. Wow. Um, what could be Tun's concerns regarding his successor? Who we all know well, who that is. That was an interview with Financial Times. Yes. Uh, I think it's rather unfair that we just chop that one sentence and ignore the question. What was the question? Uh, the question was asked that uh, was he going to hand over mm. to Anwar Ibrahim? Mm. And this this sentence that I don't want to make the same mistake was preluded by a previous sentence that says something like uh, I have a, you know I was asked are you going to give it to Anwar? He says that was our promise. That's what we agreed. Then he went on to say, I've made many mistakes in pointing my, my right. successor before. So, mm. if you see in the full sentence, mm. then it is not so bad. Yeah, it's not so insulting mm. la, yeah. to the yeah. successor. Okay. Yeah. okay, but the thing is that I don't think Tun will melatah and simply say. Mm. So, I, I think it was a very measured answer, knowing that it could be misconstrued. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of us who have been covering Tun for all these years, uh, you never presume that he is uh, giving you a straight answer. The, he, whatever answers he gives you uh-huh. could work both ways. Let, let's assume for a moment that he is talking about really he has made mistakes uh, and appointed his successors. He has only had one successor. Badawi, yeah. That was Patlah. Pala. Okay. Mm. If the story is to be believed, uh, he had wanted Najib and Patlah was supposed to be an interim prime minister. So if that's the case, then he had arranged for two prime ministers. Mm-hmm. Were there mistakes after 22 years of uh, Tun Dr. Mahade bin Mohammed? I think the country needed it then. Just like the country needed him uh, last year. Mm-hmm. The way I see it, he will give it to Anwar. It's just a matter of when. Right. All this reluctance, people keep on saying that he doesn't want to give it to Anwar. Mm. Then I'll say who else. Mm. Mm. Uh, and your thoughts? I, I think that Mahade has, in all sincerity, been very, very uh, upright uh, and also upfront about his intention to make Anwar his um, successor. And I think that there's a lot of things that's being said among both of their circles, which has uh, given us a different kind of perception all this while. But, you know, um, I think that Mahade is a very strong-minded and strong-willed person, having covered him for so many times, teen times, and, you know, having spoken to the man and all that. You know, when he says something, he will do it, mm, you know. Yeah. If he doesn't like it, he doesn't like it. I think you've, we've seen that in the past, and that, that is why um, that's what happened with between him and Anwar. Nobody's going to force him to do what he doesn't want to do. So I think that in all sincerity, Anwar is his uh, successor and, you know, he's not saying that he's making the same mistake or anything like that. Mm. Part of it is the media just playing things up, isn't it? Yes. Mm. (laughs) All right. Well, the media being what it is, uh, we'll take a look at uh, foreigner Malaysian marriages loopholes next, right after this. Here's John Legend, All of Me on Light. On front page with me this morning, I have veteran journalist Datuk Wong Sai Wan from the Malay Mail and Anne Edwards from Anne Edwards TV. And it looks like the issue of foreigners marrying Malaysians to circumvent labor and immigration laws is being looked into, says Datuk Raja Kamarul Bahrain Shah Raja Ahmad. The Deputy Housing and Local Government Minister said that they're working together with the Home Ministry to discuss ways to overcome this. Why did it take so long for action to be taken if they knew this loophole already existed? Existed. I like the quote in, in the report. 
We can't help when people fall in love. <laughs> right? But the Real. thing is, I have got two questions. Mm-hmm. Why is the housing and local ah. government involved in this? Uh, it comes to light that he was answering a question in Parliament. So, in other words, the Home Minister and the Deputy Home Minister was not present in the House and he stood up and answered on behalf of them. But to give it local standi, he said the Housing Ministry is involved. Uh, uh, <laughs> so I think he, uh, uh, Raja Kamal may not have been very knowledgeable about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you from experience that it takes a lot of steps for foreigners to marry a Malaysian. Right. Mm. You get uh, a three months visa to start with the foreigner, then he or she gets a six months visa after that, provided that you have uh, been a good person and you didn't abuse your visa. Uh, you then get a uh, one-year visa. So you have already been near the country for 19 months. Mm-hmm. Then after that, you get a three-year visa as a spouse. And then you get a five-year visa. And that would have taken you up to eight almost years? eight years. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then only after that, you apply for another five years and you stand a chance of Permanent applying residency. for PR. Right. Okay. So all in all, it'll take 20 over years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that's not the point. The point is, there are many spouses who get a spouse visa but cannot work because the spouse visa does not automatically give you a working permit. There is a loophole. Of course, there's a loophole in the sense that if it is a spouse who was caught working mm-hmm. uh, without a permit, that spouse could not be jailed but could be fined. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we have so much illegal foreign workers here, the, most of the time, the spouse who work illegally is let off the hook. Uh, most of the time, if you go to a raid and you, and you can hear the reading officer ask, okay, if you say you're a married looker, ask your husband to come and get you out or ask mm-hmm. your wife to come and get you out. And mm-hmm. when the husband or wife come, they're released. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's more of a practice than a loophole. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, coming up, Malaysia is to impose cash transaction limit of 25,000 ringgit beginning next year. We're going to take a look at that one next. And on front page, with me this morning, Anne Edwards and at the Wong Sai Wan. And it looks like Malaysia is planning to impose a cash transaction limit of 25,000 ringgit starting next year to further strengthen the country's financial integrity and curb illicit activities. Um, is 25,000 ringgit uh, a good number? And what is the purpose of this limit for cash transaction? Okay, maybe uh, I'll put it into perspective. Right now, you can withdraw any amount of money you want. Whether you're a company or individual, you can withdraw. If you've got one million in your bank account, you can ask to withdraw one million cash. Even if you just want to look at it and put it back in the bank account, mm-hmm. then you can do it. Then, uh, after the 97 crisis, the limit was set at 50,000. You want to withdraw more than 50,000, you must give a reason why you could still do it. Then last year, it was reduced to 25,000 and no questions asked. Right. This is a day, right? A day. Now, Bank Negara have decided that you cannot withdraw more than 25,000 even if you have a good reason. There are only two exceptions. One is for the emergency, you know, that uh, what we do for the earthquake and all mm-hmm. that. The other one was unless a bank is withdrawing it. Ah, okay. okay. Mm, because they are financial okay. institutions. Alright. Yep. This will have a big huge impact on the tourism industry and the hotel industry 
uh, it's amazing how much cash these two mm. sector deals in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the exceptions should have been more wide-ranging. I can understand why they want to do it because a lot of illicit activities are now cash-bound. Mm-hmm. But I think there are other ways to control that. They said they have done a survey and all that. But their survey, it's all to do with the normal normal yeah, person. Yeah, they need to they, talk they, to businessmen. Yeah. Yes. Bangladesh admits that the tourism industry will be hit. So if you know the tourism industry is going to be hit, can you give an exception to it? Right, can yeah. you have special <coughs> regulations for them? Okay. Yeah. It's very, very stiff. Yeah. yeah. You do a lot of um, work yeah. overseas and you need cash mm, when you yes. do, you know, yeah, all your... Yeah. Your media work mm-hmm. and uh, how will this, you know, affect you? Do you think? I think um, overall there will be a backlash, especially the fact that you know um, even now when I get or accept uh, money from overseas and it's not even like twenty or twenty five thousand, mm-hmm. I get queried, you know, because they want to know where the money is coming in from and all that. So obviously they do not have a system to actually monitor where is this money coming in from, and we still need to give them invoices and all that. So I see this as a backlash in in the sense that it's not smooth for me to go to the bank to withdraw a certain amount for like say five days of uh, filming yeah. overseas you know yeah. which I will need more than definitely 25,000 ringgit especially if I'm shooting in areas which um, you mm. know like Singapore and we need a lot more money yes, like yes. a lot more of the ringgit so this is definitely something which will hamper um, businesses and something which is mm-hmm. obstructing you know uh, what we're doing overseas especially okay. but yes. I mean, looking at the report by Bernama the Bank Nagara interviewed 1,000 people and came to this mm. decision I H- think how is that viable? <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah. And they said they also spoke to the associations. Maybe Bank Nagara is not aware of the power they hold. When Bank Nagara calls you for a briefing or a meeting, very few people disagree. Uh, I think the industry should have voiced and not limit themselves to 25,000, right. which, by the way, is slightly more than 6,000 US. <laughs> it's nothing much <laughs> it's already. Not a lot. <laughs> yes, it's not okay, a lot. Okay, well, maybe someone from Magnagar is listening <laughs> this morning. Um, uh, Wong Sai Wan and Anne Edwards, thank you so much for joining me this morning on Front Page. Thanks, Shaz. Thanks, Shaz. Have a good day.